This is The Crucible. The JRTC Experience. This is where we discuss warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large-scale combat operations at JRTC. Hi, I'm Colonel Matt Hardman, uh, the commander of operations group here at the Joint Readiness Training Center. Welcome, and uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Crucible, the JRTC Experience. And today, we are fortunate to have two future brigade commanders in the 82nd Airborne Division uh, visiting us. And so, gentlemen, if you'd introduce yourselves. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Colonel Jason Scherger. I'm currently at the, uh, the Army War College, and then I will take over uh, Brigade Command and 1st Brigade 82nd, as you had uh, just alluded to, okay. this, this coming summer. And what's your general kind of background in the military? Uh, so uh, it feels a bit like coming home to me. I grew up as a, a platoon leader in the, uh, in, the, in the 82nd, actually in 3rd Brigade, who's going through their rotation uh, right now, did, uh, did MEC. Uh, mechanized company command down in uh, the third ID. Heavy light imperative. It's, it's exactly, exactly right. I love it. Exactly right. Um, and then uh, spent about the last uh, last ten years in uh, in USASOC. Um, but simultaneously, well, I've had a number of very tactical jobs. It's sort of either been super tactical or also, or very strategic. Um, had the chance to be a uh, JCS uh, intern, um, and so grad school had a fellowship, um, and then on a separate trip had worked at the White House for uh, for about 16, 16 months months there. So I've gotten been very fortunate. I've got a pretty broad swath of what our army does. Okay. Yeah, I'm Colonel Jared Wharton. Uh, I'm also associated with Carlisle right now in the Army War College, but I'm on a, finishing up the last week of my fellowship at the Center for Strategic International Studies. Um, a little uh, different from Jason, I'm going to be committed 382 about a year from now. Uh, the road unit is actually going through the rotation presently. Um, I did not do the, the vehicular or the Mac Lightning imperative, as it was called previously. I've been exclusively with the 101st and the 82nd, but I have had similar, either very tactical or strategic jobs. Spent some time actually with Jason uh, in the White House, uh, and was uh, went through ASP3 as well. Okay, awesome. All right, and then um, so how, you know, how'd you get here? How'd you get here at JRTC, uh, hanging out with uh, with me and Bravo Six from the, the Brigade team? So. Uh, I'll, I'll think back to when I found out that I was going to uh, going to command First Brigade, and I think what anybody's initial reaction is when they uh, when they find out they're going to get to get to command, uh, which is just an incredible privilege and honor, is just an extreme amount of excitement. And man, I really wish it was going to be tomorrow and not a uh, not a, not a year and a half from now. Uh, and then that very quickly juxtaposed to man, I'm actually really glad it's going to be about a year and a half from now because this is a huge endeavor to uh, to take to take on. Um, this is not like commanding a really big battalion. This is going to be a little bit closer to commanding a uh, a small division, um, and I do not feel ready to step in uh, to uh, to that to that job quite yet. And so, uh, what it immediately turned into was how do I wrap my arms around this job such that I can do the things as a brigade commander that that brigade that that division that corps needs me needs me to do that only that only I can do. Um, and as I've always done with uh, with the army, kind of with that as a uh, as, as the question, what are those things, uh, those actions that I can take here uh, while I'm at the War College over this upcoming year and a half to ensure that I show up as prepared as I can be for the things that my organization is going to be asked to uh, um, is going to be asked to do. And that was an incredibly intimidating and tall order. Um, but as I was walking down that path, it brought me here over the last uh, the, la the last week because that's exactly what you folks are doing doing down here doing it very well. So very similar emotional spectrum we found out about three weeks ago and humble and grateful uh, and then my wife is also on the commands as well so we're fortunate to go to tour delivery together. Um, but really we were at a war college class, albeit remotely, that Jake Markowitz holds uh, up at Carlisle for, uh, for future commanders. Obviously we didn't know if we were going to be on the list but we wanted to do it. And if you know Jake, he's an incredible human being. Uh I know Jake pretty well. <laughs> so I saw Jason and Dowden remotely. We've known each other for years, and I didn't know that he was going to command 182. And so we just struck up, and you know, it's just like most Army friendships. Even though it's been like a couple years, you get back like it was yesterday. And then when the list came out, uh, All American Six called me you know, almost immediately. 
uh, and send the invite, Ricky Taylor, uh, the 382 commander, um, which was very uncommon, speaks very highly of the, of the division and, and the brigade, especially Ricky, he's just amazing, he said anything you need, um, I want to be, like, I, this will be delivered, operation, anything you need, these units don't belong to yeah. us, they belong to the Army. And so that was very welcoming. He said, why don't you, why don't you come down to rotation on American Six reinforce that? And then you know, Jason was coming down here, so we wanted to marry up as much as we could. That way we could learn together. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's really cool that both you know, Teddy Kleisner, Ricky Taylor, current brigade commanders, super busy, uh, reached out to both of you, and, and you know, we talked condition setting, set conditions for transitions. You know, by pulling you in, by being transparent, um, it, you know, and then all American Six. I mean, General Leneve, uh, you know, good of the organization, getting you involved in this, and 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 working to pull you in to get to see what we're doing, understand how the division fights. A lot is changing as the division is a principal tactical formation, um, and, and you know, coming at the right time. You uh, finishing up pre-command courses, um, opportunity to think about this stuff, see some of this stuff before. Uh, going into command this summer, and then you really at the beginning of the journey before the pre-command courses, uh, getting to see some of this, this opportunity uh, to really refine the questions that you have, to refine your thinking about war fighting um, b before doing it, uh, which I think is is a, a really good place to where we're at culturally as we think about transitions in the Army, and uh, it says a lot, I think, about the 82nd's culture. Um, and then, you know, it, it's always such a small world, right? Like at, at our stages in life, you know, the relationships, you know, Jake Larkowich um, helped bring me in as a field grade uh, to 110 Mountain, uh, was a 187's XO when I was a brigade chops and, and it really helped show me the ropes uh, in that unit. Um, he went and spent time uh, as uh, Mustang Six, the brigade trainer, uh, at JMRC, so you know, wealth of, of experience and knowledge after having come out and commanded uh, one Panther. Um, and then you've also got a relationship, you'd been a fellow uh, commander with John Gabriel, our Bravo Six Brigade trainer here. And so it's the, the relationships and the humility of people to reach out and say, hey, you know, I want to be, I want to be bigger, faster, stronger, help me be bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I, I think it's pretty amazing and awesome. So thanks for sharing kind of how we all ended up here. And we all met each other for the first time about 48 hours ago, <laughs> face That's to right. face. <laughs> um, you know, as, you, as you've been thinking about th this, this endeavor uh, of uh, commanding a brigade uh, and preparing it for large-scale combat operations, what questions uh, have, have stood out to you that you've been thinking about that you wanted to refine your thinking on coming down here? Yeah, so um, first off, you know, unlike at the battalion level, you know, this is not a position, this is not a, a job where you know, we've held all the traditional assignments, right. so it's, it's bigger than you. Yeah, hold on a minute. I mean, like, that, like when, you're, when you're going into battalion command, and I, I remember, it's still daunting, mm -hmm. but, you know, you've been a platoon leader, you've probably been a special platoon leader, I know you've been a support platoon leader, I've been yeah. one, you know, you've been a company XO, You'd been a staff officer uh, at the captain level, probably in a battalion. You'd been an S3 or XO, and then you've probably seen it at the brigade level as a brigade field grade. Like you've seen, you've sh seen that thing from almost every angle. Um, you know, lived in multiple battalions coming up in the army. It is pretty familiar problem set. And you've probably been in a position where you've taken it for a test drive as, right. uh, as, as well. Like you've gotten behind the wheel a little, <laughs> yeah. a little bit, even if your parent was in the uh, was in their seat with uh, with the uh, the old driving school brake pedal that's uh, that's that's there. Not, but to your point, absolutely not the case as you step into a uh, step into a job and, at and this level. And when John speaks, I tend to listen. To whatever. Right, he's as do I. <laughs> so uh, he said, you know, look, um, your brigade is only to be made up of twenty-two percent of infantry companies. And for me, that was like, huh, now that's an interesting data point. So what are you going to do with the, the rest of the, the percentage? And so that complexity, I think for the first time, you know, I, I already came in here knowing that I had gaps. Yeah, um, as we all do. <laughs> yeah. But as we've heard from, from you and really uh, what I would always probably get your trainers, the best brigade staff in the Army, they've said thematic has been, hey, we've learned something new every rotation. 
So I'm actually not leaving with you know answers. I'm leaving with more questions to what I hope is the beginning of a dialogue. And you know, frankly, to your earlier question, you know, what brought you here? Um, your predecessor, then Colonel Gardner, was the cop when I came down as a Yeah, he's captain. he's three predecessors right. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I came down as a cat squad commander, and I had never commanded a cat squad or been in one. But not only did I come down with a sister commander, but the team opened up all the resources. And so it provided a very useful intellectual anchor as I was going through the PCC process to ask better questions to fill those gaps. Yeah. And, um, you know, this this complexity, it even likely changes in, in the future on the way to Army 2030 of, of how brigades are organized, uh, what resides at the division level, what remains at the brigade level. Um, even if it's not organically assigned to a brigade two years from now, uh, and, and the 82nd Airborne Division has internally made some changes to the way we've organized artillery and sustainment, you're still going to be responsible for it from a task organization standpoint at some point in the future in those warfighting functions. So, you know, organically at some point we may get to a higher percentage of, of a brigade, infantry brigade, you know, being above 22% infantry companies. Um, but you're still going to be fighting, um, you know, an artillery battalion in support, uh, still fighting reconnaissance elements in support, still fighting sustainment in support and having to leverage all that. And that is, I think, that at the root of the, you know, it's, it's magnitude's different, uh, it's, it's different capabilities, it's certainly a different amount of capacity at the brigade level than what we experience uh, training and fighting battalions. Um, sorry, I interrupted you, but I thought it was, uh, you know, what, what else is, is, you came in here, what else, other questions were you trying to refine out before? Um, so you made a big point about saying, you know, this is complex, but you can make things pretty simple. And I think that starts with something that you had a long conversation with about is, are we operating off the same commandments, whatever they may be? You know, that is critical to define that because we all come from our different backgrounds. Um, and so when I came down here, I wanted to know what some of those, one of those, some of those common things you talked about, um, how do you define the security area? Like, does everyone define it the same way? Uh, John, I think, also pointed out said, he was, look, don't just, it's very easy to come down here and be a victim of your own experiences. It's, what does doctrine say? What does MTO allow? What does Army prescribed technique? And if I'm quoting him correctly, he would say, well, then and only then, what does my experience tell me? And then if you come in with kind of that mental model and you're coachable, <laughs> you'll be better prepared to address the problem set. Because it's, it's great. You know, I, I've heard, I feel like sometimes in, in the past, we said, well, you, you're going to go to a CTC visit because you're trying to gain the CTC. Well, frankly, like, that's bogus. Like, this isn't about fighting and winning at the combat training center. That's largely irrelevant. It's right. like, what are you preparing for? Uh, and I think that has been really the genesis of this visit and what certainly we have felt, um, whether it's from you, from All American Six, who said very pointedly, like, I consider you one of my paratroopers, like, from now until you're done with command. Uh, and that, that sets a really positive tone and really provides a, a good anchor for what we're trying to do. Yeah, and uh, Jason, before I go to you, I mean, we're, you know, we're not, this isn't the Super Bowl. I, I don't really care if a unit, um, you know, at the end, I hope people come here and want to win. Sure. I mean, first and foremost, because I, I do think it's a habit. I think it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, you know, Geronimo isn't the enemy. Geronimo is the, ideally the world's best sparring partner uh, to reveal, hey, you got to get your left up higher, right? You got to get tighter. You got to pop with that punch, that's what we want. You know, a great sparring partner, an environment to spar, uh, to build up on our strengths, to identify where we're weak and, and start closing those gaps. So, you know, for, forbid it happens, we find ourselves in large-scale combat, uh, we're at peak performance. Um, and that's really, you know, this is the last event to be, to come out at peak performance um, so that we're as ready as possible for for the worst day of our life, uh, if it unfortunately comes to that, um, and I, I agree with you. You know, this, you know, one of the other interesting things you talked about. You know, now General Gardner, but Colonel Gardner, the, the evolution of, the, of JRTC from from General Gardner to General Curl to Colonel Saslov, All American Seven, and now to me, it, it changes. 
Um, it's not static. Uh, the enemy changes uh, because we get new capabilities and we get a new look, and we're we're already here incorporating what we're seeing from uh, the Caucasus, what we've seen from Russia, Ukraine, what we've seen from you know other um, you know places in the world of conflict. Um, so it's that's always being fed back in uh, to refine the way the operational environment here uh, works, as well as the enemy. Um, because it's you know th this is, there's no we don't hand out trophies at the end of this. <laughs> That's right. um, we, we just you know give units feedback and say okay here's some stuff to retrain on you know good luck and, and hope you hope you stay safe on whatever mission you know you're executing out there. Jason. Um, first, I should say, I think you gentlemen capture it really well, so I probably won't say anything that's, that's new, but can offer how I was thinking about it as I came, as I came down here and questions that uh, continue to bounce around in my mind, because, Jaron, you, you hit it. Um, you can't, I don't think you can expect to come, it, come anywhere and uh, like, solve the problem of, of, ground, of ground combat. Right. This is a continuous. Yeah, put it in the box, yeah. lock it away, we got that solved. We got it. It's, it's, like, it's like saying you went to the gym and now like, I've got PT. Like that, no, you've got it. You continuously go and every day um, you're having to work something different and struggle through something, something else. Um, and so this has been a really important part of that journey. For me, as I came down here, uh, it was looking at within the, within the brigade and then the larger division fight, how do we think about time and space, and then how does that translate into tempo and uh, and, and agility? Um, and then for me, uh, a, a product of the last 20 years of persistent uh, counterterrorism uh, combat, um, I think part of what allowed the shift uh, from a BCT and a lot of what you had described, the 80 seconds working through, that lightens up that brigade, makes it easier than as it relates to time, space, tempo, and agility to be able to maneuver take and hold terrain and destroy the, uh, destroy the enemy in a way that we weren't necessarily doing over the past, the past 20 years, but we'll absolutely have the expectation of doing it inside of LISCO. And so what is the, uh, for a brigade, what does 24 hours look like? Um, and not so much for um, the, the rifleman that's out there or that, or that squad, but for the other war fighting functions, it goes a bit to the point on how the fight changes is what we had done previously in our last job up to, up, up to brigade. What is that brigade fight? look like. It's probably not the next three to five kilometers, but what is that distance? What does the sustainment look like? What does the protection look like? Um, and then how are you doing that on behalf of a larger, um, a larger, larger division? Um, and it's difficult to, to really see that and feel that in other places um, inside, of the, inside of the Army. Um, our training centers provide the unique opportunity to actually see that in, uh, in action and get away from the, the dock temp and into the, into the sit temp. So that's one of the questions I came down here with. This has been incredibly illuminating. Perhaps more questions um, coming, uh, coming out of it. Um, and then consistent with that more broadly is getting deeper on the science of, of warfare and of our, of our business. Um, there is absolutely an art to it, uh, but you can't, you can't have a conversation on the art unless you're super deep on the science. And a lot of this are math problems. That artillery round is gonna go so far. It is going to have um, an RED that is that that is set and understood. The SDZs yeah, of, our, of our weapon system it is physics, and it is a math it is a math problem, and you've got to be able to understand the science uh, and the math across the warfighting functions, and then we can have a and then a lot of your problems end up dissolving dissolving away, and so that takes me to a spot then as we look at how we're going to fight as a brigade. What my role is as the commander inside of inside of that, um, again going back to your your fir your first question, how can I make sure that I'm I'm coming in with the right approach such that I can do the things for the brigade that nobody, nobody else can, but also so that I am the value added to it as a brigade commander, not just a really good battalion, <laughs> battalion commander or the best company commander that just uh, is a lot older than, uh, than <laughs> So this has been great for, as I look at how I want to focus on the science and building out our team on the science such that we can then do the fun parts, which is what we all want to do. Let's talk the art of how this ends up applying. Can I riff off that for a second? Because I thought the comment on time and space is probably the biggest lesson learned for me. Because I did not do this very well, frankly, as a battalion commander. And you know, hopefully I have better results at the next national honor command. But it, it's kind of like the budget planning cycle. You have to be doing multiple things at different times. And... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 Which is really hard. Well, well no. it, it, it smacked me in the face uh, here uh, because in the past, I think we've all fallen victim to this. You know, you've placed a, a, 
a concerted effort in something we, we inherently know, but we always forget. Like, what is the red before you develop your blue? Like, what's the Maku? What's the Envy's event temp? Oh, yeah, then get the blue pen out. Um, in the past, I focused on the, the form of maneuver or the movement in some cases to get, you know, it could be the aerosol. All right, that's it. Without really explaining the why, not just having the S2 or me riff off that, what the enemy commander is trying to do, and then why we're doing it, how I see it playing out through a visualization, which I think affords the time and space for the staff. I know, look, these are the parameters. You know, it may drive the construct of our operations order, for example. Like, I want the base order to provide the framework for the planning process for these other milestones, but that's going to be, the, for in this case, the JFE, but, uh, you know, Frago, Frag one, one, two, and three are going to be T like we know that we're gonna need class fourth point of friction here. And we can expect a certain amount of gains and losses here. Is this the right place where we need to be? How do we get that class four there? Do we have the standardized loads in order to get them there? And when does that planning process occur? Subsequently, where are those nodes located and who is in them? As I think through that and listening to your team. I'm leaving with more questions than answers because in some cases for the past several years, I know I've been guessing what is the, what makes the most sense. And this provides me to watch other, you know, through you guys, the trends on what has been most effective to create less uncertainty. Yeah, I, you know, the plan, prepare, execute, assess, operations process, not linear, you know, we're, we're constantly at the brigade level, plan, prepare, execute, and we're always having to assess because that's how we make the, the refinement of are we on plan, are we off plan um, in terms of combat power, in terms of what the enemy's doing, changes in the operational environment with weather. Um, you know, there's often a tendency, we planned, now let's, you know, let's go, let's this. go chop trees. And, um, and I think, you know, the way you outline that, it, Yes, we're going to do that, but then there's discrete things that we have to plan in greater detail in the future. And so, you know, we get done planning, and and, and uh, Colonel Taylor, you know, talked about this. Like, it, he, you know, it's like, hey guys, like we don't have the, as much time as you think. Like, you got to get on to the next thing. I mean, every, you know, two who's in a high five after the orders brief, and then what's next? Because like it, it requires detail. Uh, 72 hours out, and, and frankly, all you know, most of the capacity for that planning is at the brigade level, or it needs to pull the division in to, to answer some of those problems and solve some of those problems uh, for the brigade. Um, it, it never stops, um, and, uh, and that's, I think, the hard part. I think sometimes when we train this or we, we visualize what this looks like, we have a tendency to make it very linear, and it, it's not, because, um, you know, if if we're in prepare uh, in an infantry battalion, that probably means the squadron is solidly in execution. Um, and for the brigade, it's it's got to have it's got to be in all of those at the same time to keep momentum and tempo going. Um, it gets me fired up. It gets me excited. <laughs> um, the um, you know, as you if you've been down here, um, you know, so far, like what what's really stood out to you? Like, oh, I, I got to take that back and do some more thinking about it. Um, so it's uh, I'll answer this first with I had this feeling coming down here, and now as I leave here, it's further 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 re, further reinforced. Um, so as uh, as you sit in the war college, you like to talk about the uh, the character of war and. It's a lot of it's a lot of Klauswitz. Um, and it's a good reminder. Who doesn't like it? Who doesn't like know, old yeah, dead that's German? German. That's, that's, that's <laughs> right. exactly right. All right, another conversation on Sun Tzu. This is great. Um, it's a it's something I knew coming down here. It's a great reminder that the nature of war has not changed, um, and it hasn't changed for thousands and thousands of years. And what we're expecting paratroopers to do out there on that that drop zone, um, a couple of a couple of nights ago, uh, looks looks a lot like D Day um, when uh, when our grandparents uh, or our great grandparents in some cases were uh, were jump were jump were jumping out. Um, and what we owe those paratroopers and uh, and those and those leaders uh, is tough, realistic training for that war that they're going to uh, that they're going to find themselves uh, find themselves face to face to face with. Um, and and so what you see down here is an opportunity to be able to to train that at the uh, um, at at a run at a run pace. Um, and so I, I kind of knew that coming in. Now you see it you see it very clearly. So you step into a brigade which with. 3,500 moving pieces. This is a really, really big machine. Um, 
part of what uh, I, I saw down here and I'm leaving with as a, uh, as a task is I, as the brigade commander, you've got to be very, very clear. It's got to be very, very simple um, so that your folks can execute it very, very violently. Um, and you've got to get folks out there and give them the opportunity to train on it and build grit. Um, and uh, again, it's not a lot, not a lot different than it was a couple of generations, a couple of generations ago. And you really, you see that out there on the paratroopers' faces as they're walking the uh, walk, walking the drop zones. We as leaders have the responsibility to put them in a position where where they can learn, they can train hard, and then they're they're constantly getting better and developing uh, develop, developing out. Um, to your question, I, I knew that coming in, but you see that really manifest itself. Um, when you're uh, when when you're when you're here, and so then what I what I leave with is how do I make sure that the training opportunities that we're going to have are maximized? We're putting NCOs in a position where they can learn and train their train their people and do it in a way that maximizes learning and uh, and, and impact. Yeah. Um, and that's an exciting feeling to exciting feeling to have. I mean, this is the deep end of the pool, and you can't cram for the swim test. Yep. And you know if if we're it's very jarring, you know, my experience here, it's very jarring for people um, that haven't been incrementally building up grit, incrementally building up uh, competency and proficiency uh, at lower level skills, that those things become habits that we fall back on. You know, so, so digging in is a habit, um, because if it's a habit, then when it's two o'clock in the morning and we've been awake for 36 hours, we don't know why, we just know that when we halted and we got security out, we get our e-tool out, and we wouldn't think about going to sleep or eating chow until we've dug a fighting position, right? right? And that only, it, it does, it only comes from repetition, I think, when you're really tired. Right. Um, and, you know, we were all out on the drop zone, which is just such a great experience to get to watch a brigade mass tack. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought about, you know, when that first aircraft came over, and the, uh, the suppression fires uh, went in, and we're seeing buildings exploding on the drop zone. You know, that number one jumper <laughs> standing in the door must have been like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, which very much back to, you know, your, your comment about D-Day, you know, and, and okay, it's, uh, yeah, the, char the character war may be adjusting, but the nature of war, I mean, this is a human endeavor, um, you know, that requires intestinal fortitude uh, to be successful. At. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that I mean, there's a reason we call this place the Crucible. That's right. Uh, very much so. Sure. So last time I was here was I think the post, first post-COVID rotation, and I thought there's a degree of realism that stressed leaders at all levels. We're past the point of comfort. And I remember staring in the eyes of one of my troop commanders, and this individual was stressed, but he was growing, he was making decisions at the point of contact. And I'm looking around, I was like, wow, this is, this feels real. Like, I know it's not, but it, it feels real. And that's been thematic in this trip as well. So it's, it's phenomenal to see, you know, real world lessons learned fed into the training centers. I'm sure that's pervasive throughout, throughout the other training centers. But it's done so here to push people past, you know, that point of comfort. But you, most people, when they come through this, as well as the other side, it, the shared experience makes them a better team. So the other challenge becomes, how can you get all of your team here in a way that they can have that, that crucible experience so that they could come out a cohesive, lethal, highly, highly disciplined force? Um, and time keeps coming up as thematic as well. Geronimo is often viewed, I think, as the number one enemy. <laughs> it's it's increasingly obvious that is in fact time and it's not just time the planning horizon but it's how you get well, to JRTC yeah and it's self <laughs> exactly. right so the two first enemies are self and time before we ever get to Geronimo because we, we we build friction for ourselves I and mean, I did it as a brigade and battalion commander and then yeah time is not our friend right. at all yeah because um, I think it'd be really easy to sit back and, and, and you know at an AR some would say for example explain a dynamic that's going on in your organization at whatever level. And it would be very easy to say, it would be intellectually lazy to say, well, what you don't understand is, but you're really wishing away, your, potentially uh, wishing away the responsibility that you had before you got to the point of friction. And I don't want to be in that position, part of the reason for being here. 
um, you're like, it's not going to happen. Of course it's going to happen to me. <laughs> right. It's going to happen to all of them. But right. how do you minimize that for the betterment of the formation? If we don't go to work on that, then, then we're not, we're not, and we're, I think Jason will, I don't know Jason when I go to the same thing. It's like, we're investing the lives of every paratrooper facility or family member yeah. that we have in the outfit. That's something that we will never take lightly. So like, we better go to work before we even step in the seat. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the work rate it's required to be good at this, particularly the science part of it, I mean, it is endless. Um, you, you, you said it, you know, talking with the, the Bravo team, uh, the brigade trainers, you know, I th they all to a man and woman are like, they're learning something here every rotation. I mean, th this is, you could, you could make me a platoon leader. Uh, I would love it if you could put me back in BCO 2505 as a company commander, I would still be learning something. Because it's just, it is an endless amount of things to kind of learn here. And I think, you know, what you, what you get out of this this glimpse of being down here is, is maybe how to prioritize some of that learning. So you talked a, a little bit, you know, in preparation. What, you know, I'd ask you, what are you reading right now as you're thinking about and preparing for command? Um, it's, a, it's a really, really important question. Um, first thing that um, is, at the, is at the top of my list, and this goes to um, Jake Larkowitz, who happens to be my, uh, my war college mentor through this, which has been great. Yeah. I call him to talk about the paper I'm supposed to write. Inevitably, we have conversations like, um, like this. Um, and he, as well as a number of other mentors, have shared with me uh, brigade commander AARs that go across the whole spectrum of everything that you're going to have as a, uh, as a brigade commander. And I've always been a, a big believer in self-study. Self um, and, and then uh, giving back uh, so that others can learn, can learn from you as well. And so I have sitting on my desk, I've gone ahead and printed them all out instead of just reading them on my iPad, um, a stack of AARs from, uh, from brigade commanders, not just on the warfighting portions, a lot of what we're talking here, yeah. uh, but also across the scope of, uh, scope of command. And I've been really pleasantly surprised the well, level of whole, candor that I've Yeah, had. before, I mean, because that's, you know, you're, you kind of like tease this out of like, what do we do before we get here, you know, the the good order and discipline of the formation the personnel the readiness the supply all the things that are not training become the foundation ultimately of of the culture that we create is ultimately going to be the foundation that we're building the training on all right and so i think that's i think that's hugely important and relevant yeah well i'll give you a perfect example of this a uh um uh derek thompson he just retired mm -hmm. he was a brigade commander in the 101st and one of the approaches that uh, that he took was, and I thought that this was really great. So this is something I'm I'm thinking on your question of how I'm preparing. Um, that as a as a team, you're only getting you're going to plan via MDMP. You're going to plan during the planning via the planning process and then issue a, issue an order. So his approach was everything we're going to do is going to be an operation. So we're going to plan it through MDMP and we're going to issue an op order. We're not going to issue a con op. That is something different. Uh, we're going to issue an issue an order, and using that as a mechanism not only to ensure the things that we're doing back home, uh, regardless of what that is, maybe that's going to be integration of new soldiers or that's going to be our organization day. Um, they're going to be well, well planned uh, and well, well executed as part of building the team, but it's also going to give us more reps as a, uh, as a team on how we're going to plan, how we're going to rehearse, and how we're going to move through uh, the eight-step eight training model. And that really resonated with, uh, with, with me um, and has allowed me then to help refine down um, those, those, first, those first hours, days, weeks, months, what are going to be those things that I want to help reinforce with the other team to help create some of that shared, shared clarity and understanding. Um, and so I've tried to go to, go to school then on the lessons learned from, uh, from folks who have come before us. Um, and, and I can't put a fine enough point on it. I've been incredibly impressed with us as an army, um, with how everyone that I've reached out to um, has been, they have been overly generous with their time and their candor and how they've, how they've learned. Um, I think it's it's abs it's absolutely amazing. Um, I think we're in that regard in a really really good spot in an army and capturing those what is a really hard job. Or at least that's what I'm anticipating, and then sharing that with the folks that are coming coming behind and investing in uh, in, in them. So that's that's what is at the top of my list um, right now. Are those those lessons those lessons learned? What I find is every time I do a trip like this. So I got done with a month out at Leavenworth, and I looked back through. Um, I'm going to read back through this as I come out of here. My perspective on it, I know, will have changed. Um, and so with that in mind, I'm of the belief that the way that you learn is through, is through repetition, uh, AAR, and then you go, you learn, you learn again. And I take this from my early, uh, as a kid, when you're playing, when you're playing sports. Um, I'm doing everything that I can right now to get the, make those mistakes in terms of my thinking and 
through repetition now in advance of uh, in advance of stepping in. Yeah, if I could riff off one of those points, I've been pleasantly surprised by the degree of humility amongst current and former brigade level commanders in their ability to reach out and just provide open candid feedback. Like, I cannot tell you how many welcoming conversations I've already had in a short time since the list came out. And hey, I, I want to make sure that you know I'm a resource for you for whatever you need. Um, and that's, I feel that's a departure. Like that's been really, really good. I mean, maybe it, there, I got some of that as a company commander and a little bit as a battalion commander, but this feels different. Yeah. And it, it, it's very genuine, so I'm grateful for that. I always like to look at, uh, you know, people to my left and right, north and south, like what they've written. I had a, um, a professor who used to call it the sociology of knowledge. Like what are they, what have they written about in the past? What did they read? What shaped their thinking? And that I think provides a little bit more insight into, you know, like I've read former bosses war college papers, because it's interesting to me to what they were thinking about at different times of their life and as they've evolved. And then I'd be lying so that that's all I was sort of looking at. Um, I work at Think Tank. Right yeah, you got, a, you got a job. You know, yeah. But it, it, that, that could be a little bit like sensory overload. But what it does do is it also puts where we are as an army in a historical context, which I think is very, very important, and it complements the lessons learned that are, that are occurring operationally right now. Because there's a lot of stuff. There's probably been more going on in the army in the last 24 months than any time, certainly in the last four years. Like, there's a lot of change. Yeah. And so we have to understand why that change is occurring and then be intellectually curious about how to, how to execute those plans, like the Army of 2030, and, uh, and provide very real feedback because there's not a lot of IBCTs and that, those flavors may change, but there's not a lot. So it's incumbent upon us yeah. to provide that, that feedback as well. Yeah, and I mean, in a mature... Um, you know, non-subversive sure. uh, way. You know, it's a, you know my my experience uh, interacting with senior leaders that are thinking about these problems. Uh, you know, General Leneve, General Donahue, uh, uh, Force Com Commander, and DC it is you know, everybody is approaching this um, with, with that humility of okay, we don't we got to make changes, we got to evolve and grow, but we're not convinced that we have it all like figured out and so you know i've definitely found like a receptiveness to to feedback um you know i think like all of us all our leaders are just looking for you know mature feedback and right. uh, feedback that acknowledges sort of the direction that we're trying to go collectively and the why um and, and then you know um, with recommendations that actually help inform in a positive way what we're trying to do because um, i think you're right i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on right now in the army, uh, as as we as we work uh, to to think through and, and solve problems that are right here right now, but also problems that we're anticipating that we're likely to encounter. Um, jumping on back to your question, then in terms of things reading and, and riffing off about what what you're describing, I'll give you a, a plug you'd recommended uh, to me a little bit ago uh, to read No Picnic, Three Commando, and the story of them in the uh, in the Falklands. Um, which has been, as I'm working my way through it, I'm going slow through it because I find like I'll read a, a portion of it and I'm trying to put myself in that regimental commander's headspace. And he had the challenge that I'd mentioned time and space uh, of our brigade of our brigade fight in, uh, in, in Lisco. Um, he had the disadvantage of being on ships that are steaming towards the, uh, towards the Falklands. And so his decision cycle and how he was going to reposition or change the plan, how they were going to rehearse it, became that much, that much more difficult. Um, and you could almost feel his angst of, I don't think I've got the best plan right now, but I know we can execute this plan better than the best plan. Um, also thinking through, so and then where do I need to be such that I can command and control, and then at what point in the battle am I prepared to assume risk and put myself in the place that I need to be, realizing it's not necessarily gonna be an easy move for him moving ship to shore. Um, and so uh, the consequences of the things that he was faced with, um, I think were, were very high uh, because the risk uh, of any of those decisions became, became super high. And it's been a really great way for me to start to think through a lot of the things that are highlighted uh, out here and that we're seeing from the, uh, the brigade. Um, the other thing that I had read, and it was as part of my war college study, was a uh, Army History Center um, uh, study of the Louisiana maneuvers, um, which was phenomenal. Yeah. And 
I read that uh, a couple years ago. It's, here. it's it's phenomenal, and I didn't realize why it was going to be so great when I started diving into it. But the reason I bring it up is you made me made me think of is we're trying to figure out what we're in a we're in a interwar period right now, uh, and as any good army does, uh, we're going through a transformation. I would argue the army actually has a really good history of transforming during interwar periods. Um, we're we're good at it. It is not easy. It is super super hard. Uh, and so with that in mind, three things that, that jumped out at me in, the, uh, in General McNair's note to the, uh, the Secretary of Defense from that was, uh, we are struggling Not with the Secretary of Defense, it would have been the Secretary, Secretary of War. Secretary of War, that's right, yes, <laughs> Secretary of War, right. um, was we are struggling with, we just spent the equivalent of a half billion dollars, um, multiple cores, an area the size of Rhode Island down here over this, this, same, this same terrain, and what we walked away with was we are struggling with small unit maneuver, small unit leadership, and soldier <laughs> discipline. Um, and you can, you can, as I'm reading some of his, his writings on this, it's like, we, we could have figured this out without having to go through, go through, go through all of this. Um, and that's a challenge for all of us today as uh, leaders. It's your, it's your point as you jump into the crucible, the crucible here. Um, and so that one stuck out of me. The other one, and this gets a bit of what you were describing as we look at organizational transformation, is they came out of the other uh, maneuvers, they were still struggling with how do we defeat the tank? What does anti-tank look like? And they were also struggling with what does air ground uh, integration look like? Um, and arguably, based off what happened in North Africa a couple of, um, shortly thereafter, we did not figure it out. It, North Africa did not, did not go well. But there are themes within those, those three that I just laid out of, that we're struggling with, we're struggling with today. Um, how, do we, uh, how do you continue to train grit? A couple of the things that you had, you had brought up, how do we develop small units, small unit leaders? Um, how do we make the, the, the routine, do the routine things routinely um, in individual and then small unit, small unit discipline? Um, and then at the same time, uh, as you look at the, uh, um, for the brigade that's out here, the toes that are on the back versus what we're seeing inside of Ukraine, how do we defeat these, um, these, large, these large formations? And then what's the role of um, our attack aviation and the, uh, the Air Force as we move into, this, move into this next fight and integrating that more broadly with fires? We had all those conversations this week. Uh, we're going to continue to have them over the coming months, and they had them back yeah. in, the, uh, um, in, uh, in the 1930s and, uh, and 40s as the Army's, Army was trying to, trying to transform, which I think is a point that you brought up earlier, like this, this stuff is hard. Um, there's a reason that we continue to go back to this and we continue to try to, uh, try to, try to wrestle with it. And so for me, it was a bit reassuring. Like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> These are, like, we're asking, I'm asking the right questions as we, yeah. as we step in. Um, and some of this stuff is going to be hard to solve, uh, but, we, but we as leaders have to be able to provide clarity of purpose, uh, clarity of mission to our folks to help, help them help us solve, solve, solve through this. Hey, I mean, and I'm going to come back to something you said earlier, right? Hey, I went to the gym, PT complete, right? It's not. It's not. And, and, and you know, the CTCs are, are you know, simplifying. Hey, you're coming to the gym. Like, this is hard. And you gotta, you gotta keep coming here. You gotta keep doing the thing. You come better. I mean, I think people that consistently go to the gym get stronger and faster. Um, it, it, you know, and the, the things that you described from the Louisiana maneuvers, you know, we see those same things here. Right. Um, and, and that, you know, we talked three types of trends. It's hard because it's always been hard, right? Getting 18, 19 year olds to dig a fighting position when they've been awake for 36 hours is just hard. Yep. Um, you know, for the parents out there, you know, getting your kids to clean their room. I got twin 14 year olds getting them to clean their room. Like it takes, you know, conditioning to behaviors uh, to get it right. The, the beauty of this place, I would submit in the Louisiana maneuvers and still to this day, is that we, this is a real environment that has real consequences for action and inaction. Um, and, it, and those become searing lessons that people take away from here. Uh, that, that hits different than just saying, hey, you should take a fighting position. They'll get to see the consequences here, uh, HD surround sound, uh, IMAX, uh, in this environment um, to prepare themselves. Uh, and then, you know, I think the, the second trend that we talk about is, it, it, you know, it's, hey, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's not necessarily the brigade's challenge uh, because we haven't either manned it, resourced it, given the doctrine for it. And this environment lets us, okay, is that a brigade problem? If it's not a brigade problem, then whose problem is it? And how are we going to solve it? And what's the dot mill PF to do it? And then the third one is, hey, we've given you the equipment, we've given you the doctrine, we've given you the people. Uh, why are we not like solving that problem? Get busy. That's yeah. Right. And that third trend, and, and 
you know, really either unit specific or across, you know, the army, you know, those are the ones that we really kind of find like, okay, hey, let's, let's dig into why are we not doing that well and how do we do it better? Uh, and that's where I think a lot of the fruitful growth, because the first one, it's hard. It's always been hard after 14 days of being in the crucible, you're going to be better at it. Whether you want it to be or not, you're going to be better at it uh, going forward. Um, yeah, and I'm, I think I'm going to end up doing a podcast on uh, No Picnic with a, a, one of our British liaison officers. Because I just think it's, a, it's expeditionary, it's austere, uh, and, and the kind of problems, although, you know, a different context, similar problems and questions that we're likely to encounter. Um, did you have something? No, no, no. That was it. Um, okay, so, you know... What I would what I would kind of ask, uh, kind of wrapping up here is, you know, what uh, what adv- you know coming from this experience, what advice would you give your peers uh, to be thinking about, um, you know, as as they prepare for command? What advice would you give, you know, field grade officers, uh, and, and what advice would you give company, you know, leaders? If I can, I'll start with I'll start at the bottom with uh, with company yeah. um, with company leaders. Um, I think that as an army, we've got to maximize any opportunity that we have to uh, that you have that you have to train, um, and then as a uh, as a as a company leader, um, there'll be times where it's going to be roll off, roll on roll off training where you'll show up, you'll get to be you'll be able to do the uh, the platoon live fires, or someone else will put the training together for you. But most of the time, um, maybe even closer to seventy five to ninety percent of the time, um, it's going to be on our company lead- level leadership to grab their formation and go out there and train um, and maximize the opportunity to do that, to, uh, to, walk, in the, uh, to walk in the wood line, uh, to practice your movement formations, to practice your calls, to move through your pace plan of, uh, uh, for, for combo, um, to practice, as we, had, as, we had, uh, as we had talked, to train getting water from canteens into, uh, or ra- rather from, uh, from water jugs into, um, into canteens, um, and train the stuff that you think is easy, realize that it is not easy, um, and don't assume away the hardest parts of the problem, but maximize the opportunities that you have to be able to uh, be able to be able to do that. Um, and don't wait for uh, for other folks to show up to uh, um, to do it um, to do it to do it for you. Um, for uh, for field grades, um, I I will actually quote um, uh, a, a, one of our senior leaders, um, and I thought that this was great. It was all paraphrases, kind of the kind of the idea that. As uh, uh, we hear field grades talk a lot of Clausewitz and Art of War, and we hear four stars talk about the power of the squad. Um, and as you go back to General Depew, the very first TRADOC commander, he wrote a phenomenal article on the power of the uh, the power of the squad. Uh, and it's uh, it's just it's interesting to me as I become become more senior that um, as you as you move up, you get more focused on that's that small that small unit. And so I think the challenge becomes to our field grades. We expect a lot out of is how do you take what is a complex environment and translate that into a very executable task and mission for uh for across across our formations um such that when we're going to do a brigade operation that uh that private that sergeant that platoon leader knows when all else fails when everything else goes wrong this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to win and we rely on our field grades to help translate that and make that make that super super simple um, and that is not an easy task task to do uh, but I think is uh, is incumbent is incumbent upon them, um, and then as I go out and I'll, I'll be talking to my peers um, and hope to have conversations with them on so what are the things that I did as I stepped into command, which prop which I hope becomes a couple of things I think that I did right. I think coming down here is going to be one of those. Here's some of the things, um, some of the things that I messed that I messed up. Like ah, I really wish I could have done this differently. Um, is the uh, the amount of self study that's that's necessary as you step in. Um, step into brigade. I've had a lot of fun over the last year. Any senior leader that I've met with, I asked them, what did, what was different as you went from 05 to 06 command? Um, and then how did you adapt your leadership style to what would end up being a different, a different environment? Um, and almost universally, it's, you get a, uh, like, you get an answer quickly and then a pause of like, huh, yeah, let's talk about that one. And it's always been a really great conversation as you look at, as I stick, get ready to step into the, this job where you're now a coach of coaches. And so um, the mission might look pretty similar, the purpose might look similar, the formation is a lot different, um, but your tools in, that you're going to apply to do that, I think, have changed. And I'm not sure that I fully appreciate that yet, but I've tried to go to school on what that's gonna look like here over the, uh, over the last couple of years since I've left the battalion command. 
Um, that's part of what I'm excited excited about. Um, but that that idea of being a coach of coaches, how can I help that battalion commander and CSM um, across the formation be incredibly successful? This goes to some of the conditions saying, what does the brigade fight look like? Yeah. And how do you how do you do, how do you do that in a way that they can then they can then succeed? And I think that's a lot different than the, the last command job that I uh, that I that I had. Um, we'll find out. I found out very shortly here how, yeah. how, how different and what exactly that'll look like. And how well, on that. and I think you know the other part of that is you kind of is you know this rotation. We got the sustainment brigade commander here. We got the Debardi commander here. That's we right. have the aviation brigade commander here, and like these are people that have a ridiculous amount of experience and knowledge, and know things that there's no way we can know them to the level, and, and we we need them. And I, absolutely, you know, for me as a brigade commander, that was one of the things like, and the Debardi commander like. Had to be, had had to have him be a part of our lives. Uh, had to had to go with humility, kind of your comment, to him be like, okay, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Like, what, what do I not get about this? Uh, help me. Um, you know, I think that's true with aviation and, and um, comfort of being helped by others, yeah. uh, being coached by others. I think becomes even. I think it's true at every level, but I think it really becomes just the scale and scope of what you do at the brigade level. Uh, is required, and, and likewise the, the the O and the S, you know, helping. Um, so on on that, I had an old boss of boss say to me, we were as we were getting ready for an operation, we were looking at the looking at the Comrel. He says, uh, Jason, the com Comrel matters, but what I really care about is the relationship that, that we've got with uh, our fellow commanders. The command uh, the relationship between commanders is more important to me than Comrel. And that really stuck with me, and I think this is true in what you're what you're describing. It's something I'm super excited about. As I get ready to step in, step step in, step into command, I think that I owe it to the brigade. I owe it to the division that uh, we as brigade commanders have a uh, a tight knit relationship. We should be able to solve yeah. most most of our problems. This is why I'm, I'm just I'm so humbled by uh, by Ricky Taylor as he's been out here. He brought us in with with open arms. Like let me come come on in, see the stuff we're doing great. More importantly, see the things the mistake mistakes that we're making. I'm really excited about having having him. Like he is, he's the kind of guy that when, when we're in a fight and I pick up the radio, I'm, I'm super excited. He's going to be on the other end. And an old mentor of mine said, what, Jason, figure out what it is that you want to be known for. What I think I was known for was being a great, a great peer. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful and necessary for our Army to be able to, be able to fight and win. You want to, be, you want to be that commander that your peer is going to pick up the phone and call when they're, uh, when they're in a bad spot to help them out. Um, and that doesn't happen by accident. We've got to invest. You've got to invest in that. You've got to put time into that. Because uh, you can't search that when you're uh, when you're in trouble, but I think that that's an important part of mitigating risk across all the things the nation is going to ask us to do in the coming years. Right, and I mean in Lisco, uh, SEMA denied environment challenges. I mean it's going to be like okay, I don't know at 96 hours into this what the Comrel is anymore. I know what our purpose is as a joint, uh, you know, combined team, yep. and we just better get after it. And I know when I <laughs> when I call up Jen and I say, yeah. I know I know I need what you got. <laughs> Talk to me about how this, how this, how this can go. Um, she's going to be able to come up. She's, she and her team are going to have a phenomenal, a phenomenal approach to it. Um, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's super humbling. Okay, over to you. And it's paramount. I mean, like we were talking about this in the car ride. Uh, pick a leader in your past that has an adjective associated with their name. You know, what yeah. do you want yours to be? Yeah. You know, pardon that. You know, whatever. And uh, I hope that people look back and associate words with a positive connotation. Um, that may, for me personally, might not have been deserved when I wanted to be the main efforts platoon. Right? Yeah. That's what we're taught, uh, taught and coached. But it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, yeah. can't always do that. That's not for the betterment of the team. So I'll approach your question, I think, from things that are common to all than just unpack it echelon. Um, and I'd say humility to know what you just don't know and understand those gaps and be coachable, which is, again, been thematic and have intellectual curiosity to try and fill those gaps. I think those, those two things um, need to be present at every echelon of formation. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a pillar of leader development, right? So we have operational, institutional, and we tend to think leader development vary in terms of institutional. But the I would say that I mean, all of us talking, the most powerful is this self-development. That's right. Which uh, starts with, I think, an intellectual curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, we're not a profession if we don't engage in the marketplace of ideas. There's a bed that gets heavy, you know, anti-intellectual. Like, that is a good way, right? Because Jason was just talking about, I'm going to share what I did not do well, as probably more so than I shared what I did do well. 
Well, if you don't write and talk about that. Or produce a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, then, then you're not really a profession. You're just a job. Yeah. And you're not really helping the next generation. So I think at every echelon, and it also contributes to the body of knowledge that the extra body of knowledge about you as a leader. Yeah. Um, if you have you know, written about things and I can see what you're about and then does the video, that's the audio when I meet you in person. And then um, those two things, both the, and I would actually add empathy, but generating this conversation, humility and intellectual curiosity, that helps you grow your team, you know, get the absolute value of combat power into the fight, but also helps you provide at least a modicum of shared understanding. As Simon Sinek, you know, we all know, describes the why. Like if you can't, sometimes you're not gonna have time, but if you have time, your formation, if you can bring them to bear, the combination of growing that team, that cohesive team, not with an out group, like an yeah. inclusive team that values that, right? Because that's a, necess a necessity that you can bring to bear on whatever the enemy is. It may, may not be an, you know, an enemy, maybe some other problems. Um, but you create shared, shared understanding that's buttressed by the discipline to get it done. Yeah. And those are common to all. I, you know, the leader development portion, it, which I think, uh, you know, listen to John Pappas actually last week on a commander-commander dialogue, uh, you know, talked about, he, you know, division commander laid out the, the undergirding of leader development that went into the training plan. I mean, for, I see that as a foundation for trust. I mean, first off, it's building competency, which that competency is, is professionally is, is, I think, a key to trust. Like, I know you know what you're doing because I taught you and I watched you do it. And so, therefore, when I give you this task and purpose, this mission, I'm confident you're going to be able to execute it. And I think the second part of that trust is the, you know, fr from subordinates in particular, you've invested in me, you care about me, you, you cared enough about me to, to spend time teaching me. Um, and I think that that's a huge component of, of how we actually build real trust, um, you know, and ultimately shared understanding. And I think if you do it enough, um, you don't have to explain the why as often because people are like, I'm picking up the beat, sir. I'm picking up the beat, what we're getting ready to do. And, right. um, yeah. Sorry. No, I, I think that that comes with the, it's not just for the, the chain of command in that temporal time. And we keep hitting on it. I mean, what kind of trust have we seen already when a sitting brigade commander says, come watch my rotation, and that yeah. is amplified by the division commander? Yeah. That is that special. And, you know, he hasn't been the only Panther 6 previous. Uh, that or Panther Six has reached out. That extends to General Fenzel, Colonel Ferris. I'm still waiting on Secretary of Defense. <laughs> yeah, he's a, little, he's a little he's a little busy. But uh, I'm just kidding. But I mean, that is humbling in its own right when you just yeah. see that. Um, but yeah, I think those are all common to all again: uh, humility, intellectual curiosity, all that buttressed by creating, building a team, creating shared understanding, and underpinned by this one. Yeah. And, you know, it is, uh, you know, John Gardner commanded uh, 255 coming through this rotation. I was a company commander in it. It is, um, you know, it, it, and you talked about as you, as you get older in this profession, um, the, the connections of uh, emotional connections that we have to units and to people, um, you know, this is our army. It's America's army. Um, it is really cool. I mean, I, I find myself every single rotation, you know, rooting for the RTU because I have those emotional connections, whether I've either served in those units or, you know, majors that were, you know, cadets when I was teaching at the academy or, or friends, um, you know, and ultimately uh, now, you know, I've got friends, kids serving in these formations. Um, it, is, it is a powerful reminder that the colors of these units represent, you know, history and, and, and people uh, and that connection and commitment to them is, is pretty pretty amazing and it's a pretty cool thing to get to be a part of um all right hey uh we're gonna wrap it up i'm gonna give you each get a closing comment or question or both so i'll go with the closing comment and i want to uh uh jump off what you had just uh what you you described there in terms of the history of our organizations because i think this is super super powerful it's something that you'd asked what am i uh doing to get ready for uh, ready for command one of those things has been what is what makes a organization win and succeed the chief is about this like we're, we're about winning 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. That first, <laughs> that first, that first time that we go to go to combat, like you have to win from uh, win from win from day one, consistent with a bit, a bit of what you described. And we as an army have a culture, a history of winning, and by extension, a culture of winning. And so, what is our as you step as you step in? What is the organizational culture that we'll step we'll step into? Because um, that is going to be, I believe, uh, organizations win or lose based off their culture. Um, when, it, when all the chips are down, when every, everything else is aside, you've got a strong organizational culture, a strong commitment to each other, and a shared belief in what's made you succeed in the past, you will succeed going, you will succeed going forward. Um, and so I think that we as an army are on the right trajectory there. I also think that we as leaders, have to, you've got to continue to grow, understand your, uh, your, your culture, um, and it becomes more important as you, uh, as you, move, as you move, move forward. Um, capture those things that have made you successful in the past and then leverage those going, going forward because um, we carry with us a, a generation after generation that wants us to succeed and win uh, at everything the nation's asked us to asked us to do in their way of investing in it, sort of the, uh, the men and women that they put in our stead to go and uh, go and do it. And that is, that is awesome uh, in, every, in every, sense of the, uh, every sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, that's a great comment. We've talked about this, I've not spoken on it. The organizational climate, that's a moment in time your culture endures and uh, I don't frankly think you could conduct one of your met tasks if your organizational climate was poor. You may be able to do it once. We're talking not one time, we're talking sustained gains and losses, 10 attacks, 30 days, and I think to your point, it, it's critical. Um, you know, we've been doing this for like over two decades, and uh, that's a long time. You know, obviously don't do it for money or fame, <laughs> fame like that, but uh, you know, now we're starting to see kids of soldiers, in some cases kids of fallen soldiers. And it's never lost on me that one, to your point earlier, there's a human element to everything that we do. And we owe so much to those young men and women, and it's not lost. I, I commissioned my platoon sergeant's son the other day from OIF-1. Yeah. Um, and that, that meant so much to me. I don't think he that family understands how much that meant to me, but also uh, from a reciprocal point of view, how much I owe to them. Uh, command is a privilege. Wearing the cloth of the nation is a privilege. Uh, huge responsibility, and that is that will never be lost on me. It shouldn't be lost on any of us. Yeah, the you know this culture and 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 um, you know we are what we do. And uh, you know, pretty awesome. Uh, the other night, a young soldier, only one from his crew to get out of the aircraft, derigged his vehicle all by himself. Got the radios into operation. I mean, that's what we want. You exactly. know, and I told the story. You know, as a company commander, bad jump, bang up, and uh, you know, the first person to encounter me on the drop zone was tightening me up about getting my weapon into operation and getting my NVGs on my face. And that's the organization I want to serve in, because there's a tendency. That, that, you know, ultimately we're responsible for the culture, but we're not all that makes up the culture. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things I love about this place is it, re it really gives an arena where we get to see, uh, you know, young uh, soldiers, paratroopers, uh, airmen uh, in this rotation, young leaders um, look left, look right in this environment and impose their will. Uh, and help create that culture by what they do, and um, you know they're they're a part of it. You know this isn't just all top down. This has got to be bottom up. Of okay, when you come to this place uh, that's by design hard, that's meant to be a challenge. Uh, show us what you got. You know, show us what you got and impose your will. And don't don't let JRTC happen to you. Happen to it is I think you know really got to be the mantra and that, certainly the spirit of the 82nd Airborne Division. Hey gentlemen. Appreciate you being here. Uh, look forward to kind of the start of this relationship, um, you know, and look forward to having you back here uh, in the future. And, and appreciate, you know, as professionals uh, leaning into uh, the growth uh, that it takes to be ready to do uh, fight and win uh, large-scale combat operations. Thanks for your time. Thank you for joining us on The Crucible, the JRTC experience. The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. 
We are America's Leadership Laboratory. Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Mabes. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. Follow us by going to https colon forward slash forward slash l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash j-r-t-c. We'd like to thank our partners at the Center for Army Lessons Learned of the Combined Arms Center, especially the JRTC Call Observations Detachment. Be sure to follow them on social media as well. Follow them at https colon forward slash forward slash www.army.mil forward slash C-A-L-L. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts, and be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future. The Crucible, the JRTC experience, is a product of the Joint Readiness Training Center.